Hello. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, being on my little theater here. I really appreciate yeah. it as well. So, no, um, my pleasure, man. I wanted. I know I we've uh, been trying to get this done. Oh, God, sorry. No, no, I yeah, and I want to apologize about that. I um, I have a new house out in the country a little bit, and apparently, no phone lines or anything can uh, work, and we're just having the worst times with all this like technology. Uh, it seems right. like they keep making things better, and it just gets worse. And I can't even get a landline to work, and uh, wow. it's almost like an a, a relic at this point. You know what I mean? Wow, that's crazy. I had my own issues too, though, so I apologize on my end as well. But we're here now. Yeah, we're here. We're here, and you know, I really been looking forward to this. And you may you may hear this kind of stuff a lot, but I want to jump right into it. And um, my wife and I watch the show a lot. We watch. We watch. Oh. We're big fans. Big oh, fans. Cool, man. And what I want to jump into is that. With you being a chef and creating, you know, insane concoctions of, like, flavor, ingredients, these recipes that take time and pressure and temperature and all this stuff, and then you love music. You love music. So when I watch these shows, I often think, you know, when you're, when you're cooking – do you find making music, loving music, listening to music, the vibration, the energy of music, do you find, can you incorporate it into the feeling of making food, preparing food, displaying sure. food? Is there, is, there, is there a cross-reference between the two that get interjected for you? Absolutely, man. Um, ever since, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm about to be turned 50. And uh, I've been working in a restaurant kitchen since I was 13. I've been cooking since I'm about 16. And I've been a chef since I've been 23. And ever since I've been a chef, you know, the, the soundtrack of my entire career has been metal. And, and uh, you know, but from all, from all kinds of genres. You know, I grew up in the 80s. So, you know, I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I didn't pick one side or the other. I, I love Motley Crue as much as I love Slayer, you know. Um, and so, so music has always created kind of like a, the uh the soundtrack to to our cooking and you know my my crew which is you know I, I it's a little bit unusual there's a lot of turnover in the restaurant business but you know my my crew of chefs have been with me for 10 15 20 even more than 20 years and and most of them you know, we, t- we tend to flock with the same uh the same kind of people you know they're they're all into it as well and but it changes you know what i mean like you know if it's if it's fall and we're developing dishes for for, you know, sort of that, you know, the fall, you know, the, the change of the seasons, you know, we might be listening to something that's like, you know, some post-rock instrumental stuff that's a little bit, you know, melancholic or whatever. If it's, you know, if it's December in New York and we're getting crushed every night with holiday parties, you know, literally doing 12, 1500 people a night, uh, the daytimes are insane trying to get all that food together. So that's definitely when we would listen to Slipna or Slayer or Grindcore or any, any kind of kind of stuff to really make you move. Um, and then, you know, when we're kind of leisurely just creating dishes for the menu, you know, it, 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 we kind of like just kind of go around the horn and we all kind of, you know, I'll, I'll throw something on for an hour. Um, and then my sous chefs will throw stuff on for an hour. But this has been going on now for 
27 years, um, more or less that I've been, um, I've been cooking to, to music and, uh, you know, I have a label, we'll get into that later, I guess, but I, I have a small record metal record label. I play drums. Um, and you know, I have three, I have three great pa- passions, music, cooking, uh, really eating <laughs> more than cooking. Um, my, my love of food is, you know, has made a career and I do love to cook, but it's more about, I'm really just really love food. Um, and, uh, and, and con boxing, you know, I know you're, a, I know that you're an avid, I think you're an avid baseball card collector, yeah. right? I am. I am. Yeah. I have, uh, a, I have a boxing magazine collection that goes back. I have over 10,000 boxing magazines that go back to the 1920s. Um, it's kind of a, it's a weird obsession, but I'm a huge boxing guy. And, uh, and yeah, I have, I, I've mean, spent tens of thousands of dollars collecting boxing magazines from all around the world, all the way down to the beginning of the, of, you know, the 20th century. It's pretty cool stuff. But anyway, we're getting off track. Definitely music um, affects my cooking, provides a soundtrack for it, and gives us a lift too. You know, when it's, you know, we don't we don't typically listen to music when 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 the restaurants are open and we're serving guests because we want to be super hyper focused. But that whole morning grind and afternoon grind when you're getting everything ready, we are listening to music nonstop, and it uh, it, it inspires us. It keeps us moving. So yes, to answer your question, I um I um I dedicate my like honor to working in a restaurant when I was really young. So I had a band and we were allowed to practice in the basement of the restaurant as long as I worked and the bass player worked. And it was a, it was a Chinese restaurant and my, one of my best friends was from Laos and we would just, so I'd wash dishes. They always told me I was too big to cook. And I'd get in everybody's way. I think that was just a nice way of them saying I'm very clumsy and accident-prone. But <laughs> I pretty much invented my reality a lot of those years washing dishes. They would let me listen to music if I was in the room focused on doing dishes and getting you know, a two-hour job of just pounding pots and pans. They'd right, let me right. listen to music. And I'm an only child, so I just disappear. You know, I would right. just, I could just absolutely disappear in the music. And they bring me appetizers, they bring me entrees, and I, I love the food industry. Always have. My wife and I, we, uh, we like to go around to trucks and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, like for sure. We, like what we eat every night. So, what got you? What got you? I'm interested. Um, because it's, it's, it's different, but it's the same. How did you, what's the story about getting on chopped? I mean, how did that work out? Oh, so yeah, well, I moved, yeah, I, um, I moved to New York in 93. So I was like 22 years old and, uh, you know, I had no job, $500 in my pocket, you know, kind of scraped and clawed my way up the ladder. And then I started doing a little bit of TV, um, probably in the late nineties, but when I said just like good morning America and you know, the morning show, the basically the morning show circuit. And I guess somebody saw me, I was in Vegas. um helping, uh, helping my partner who was opening a restaurant in Vegas. I was helping him get that restaurant open. And I got a phone call and they, they offered me three episodes of chopped at the time. I think they had a lot of different chefs that they gave three episode, uh, you know, I guess they were tryouts, but we didn't really know what the, what was happening. Um, and so, um, we all, that whole first season 
you go back and watch the first season, there's a ton of different judges because we all only got like three episodes each out of 13 total episodes. Um, and I, I don't know why, how I made the cut. Um, but, uh, but they, but they, uh, they, they chose me. Um, we're in a, we're in year 11 now. Um, you know, the first couple of years I was a bit, a bit of a hellraiser still. Um, so I, I really, <laughs> I, I gotta, I really gotta give credit to, to, to them. They had to deal with me coming in not, not always at my best, you know, and didn't get enough sleep the night before or whatever. Um, but somehow, um, I, I, I think I really, around season three, I think I really kind of, um, honed in on, on, on the craft of judging, which is completely different than the craft of cooking. Right. And as a, as a chef, you don't really want to tell other people what's wrong with their dish because, as, you know, we are very sensitive as chefs and we want, all we want to do is make people happy. Um, you know, if we, if we, if, if, if we don't nail a dish, um, and you know, if, or, or if we mess up a dish, um, it's really disheartening for to us. It's like, it's, if we really take it harder than, you know, uh, I mean, I'm sure every, every, every industry or no matter what anybody does, I'm sure that's the case, but I think it's just a little, it, it's a little bit more emotional uh, for a chef to, to not nail a dish. And so to tell chefs what's wrong with their dish, um, you know, so I think it took me a little while to get my legs, but one thing that I think has served me well over the past 11 years now, and I've done, God, we've, we've done about 650 or 700 episodes. I've done about 250 of them. Um, is that I just, decide, I'm just, I'm super straightforward. Like I speak my mind. Um, I try to find every positive that I can in a dish and I try to find every negative that I can. Cause I think that that's the fairest way to actually crown a champion is to just really pick apart the dish and the, the, the pros and the cons. Um, and once I just started doing that and just being super, instead of like, oh, how am I going to, how am I going to freeze this part of this? I just, I'm just straightforward. I'm just like, man, this doesn't work for me because of the X, Y, and Z. Um, and I think that I kind of connected with the audience that way. And I think also the, the reason that the show is so successful is because the judges are so different, right? Um, there's like a judge for everybody, you know, there, there's a judge, you know, if you're into, if you're into metal and tattoos, I'm probably your favorite judge, right? Um, but then you got you know, completely <laughs> other different personalities, you know? Um, and so I think that's another I, reason why I, the show works so well. I definitely, I I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, direct a movie. And of course, you know, mm-hmm. I've been lucky to, you know, do all of our videos and stuff. So when I watch these shows, you know, I kind of come at it as a director a little bit sometimes. So I'll study edits. And I'll study yep. characters and situations and and these things and you know it's it's probably out of I mean I I have you know we we watch them all we'll watch, we'll give everybody the chance because we love food and you can never learn enough about food you know what I mean you just there's sure. just more to learn about all of it hundred percent hundred constantly so but yeah your your personality, you're pretty, you're pretty strict. I've always felt like you were straight up. Like, I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> I'm like, Chris the judgment. I'm like, I'm like, you know, he's not going to like that presentation. I mean, it just, it doesn't work. He's not, there's not going to be any fluff. So we know, we know it's not like you you guys are characters, you're people, obviously. Okay. But like, we know what you just said. Like there is, a judge for everyone. You know what I'm saying? Like you can every, and every day you can wake up a little bit different and have a different feeling and, and still have your judge. So 
that's cool that you said that because you you pick up on that you know that yeah hey you know uh and i've always i always cringe a little bit because i'm like oh no (laughs) chris is gonna like i get nervous because you know these we don't get to see the general public we don't get to see the real deal so like I don't know if you you're even introduced to these people or if they walk in, it literally goes yeah. down like we see. So it's like, who knows, you know? So I've always wanted yeah. to ask, you know, and maybe sure, you, I'll tell you all about it. No, I can tell you all about, about it. I, uh, has anybody about ever Eddie? lost it? Has anybody, oh, has uh, everybody, sure. anybody, anybody just ever freaking lost it and had to be escorted out? Like, not like grab, um, but like no one's no one's had to be escorted out. But there's been a couple of occasions where um, it got very very heated. Um, I almost jumped over the table once, um, but restrained myself. Uh, and then there's been a couple of times where people have um, stormed out of the building and had to have and had to have you know had, we had to get them to come back because they still have to do their exit and infuse or whatever. But I will say that's all, all pretty rare. I mean, you got to figure. Um, We've done. Let's let's round it up. We've done about seven hundred episodes. That's twenty eight hundred chefs. Um, you know, and almost what would that be? It's almost nine thousand dishes that we've judged. So the the judge, the, the, the chef's not always going to agree with what comes out of our mouth. But you were talking earlier about edits, and um, you know what a lot of people don't realize is it's a ten to twelve hour shoot day. So that they edit down ten to twelve hours of shooting that they, well, probably eight to 10 hours of actual shootings, 10 to 12 hour a day, um, that they edit down to about 44, 45 minutes for the finished show. So there's a ton, a ton of, of stuff that the home viewer doesn't get to see. Um, and, you know, the challenge there with the editors is to, is to make, is to pull out the, you know, all the, all the, all the, the prime meat of the show. And, um, but certainly, uh, you know, like when we talk to a chef about their dish and, you know, we ask them why they made what they made and how they made what they made, we have a, you know, 10 to 12, 14 minute conversation with these people. Um, what they show on it, which what's actually shown on air is only about a minute. So it's very difficult. Um, but uh, what's good about that is it's not scripted. None of it is scripted. This, this is not That's reality. This is, this is, this is actually reality television. We don't have any, we don't have any earpieces in. They're not telling us what to say. Um, we're not prompted by producers um, to, to do anything. Um, uh, and the chefs, they don't know what's in the basket for real. Uh, they don't know who's judging until they walk out on set. Um, and they also are, you know, allowed to say anything that they want. And, and, you know, if, and, and if, if we're directed really in any way, it's to engage them, get them to get them to kind of, you know, they're cast for a reason. They're cast because primarily they're great chefs. Um, but also, you know, you know, the reality of TV is you want interesting people that have interesting stories. So, so yes, we do get directed right. to kind of bring those, you know, bring those stories out of the people. But, um, but, for, but for pretty much, you know, you, you, what you see is, is what you get. It's, it's pretty, it's legit, man. And I think that's another reason why the show has been on for 11 years is because it's organically legit. There's nothing fake about it. There's nothing forced about it. Um, there's things that surprise us still 11 years in. Um, we're like the, we, 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 we jokingly refer to ourselves as the jeopardy of cooking shows. Um, and that we're going to be doing this when we're right. old men, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, but, uh, that way. 
It's a great, it's a great show. I mean, uh, we've been there since the beginning, and uh, it never gets yep. old because, you know, as many pounds ago for me. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize how hard it would be able to cook something so quickly, and be super, super hyper focused, like you say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, it's funny. I'm actually competing. I'm, 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 I'm practicing myself because every, you know, every, every now and then they have us judges go out and compete against each other, and one of those is coming up uh, in the near future, and. You know, that's another whole thing, right, is, you know, you have a lot of anxiety because, you know, I have I have great restaurants. I have a great reputation as a chef that, you know, I've earned over two decades or more of cooking and, and, and owning restaurants. But that's what you do in a restaurant is, you know, what we what Chopped is is the complete opposite of what chefs are taught to do. Chefs are taught to take their time to, you know, lovingly stir things over for hours and hours until they're just perfectly, you know, where they need to be. Chopped is get it all done in 20 minutes, get it all done in 30 minutes. And so when we compete, we're very competitive with each other. But also, there's an anxiety that comes with it because you sit behind a chair and you, you sit behind a table and you tell people for 10, 11 years what's wrong with their dish. And then it's your turn to compete. And you, 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 can't, you can't shit the bed. You've got like, you you to come correct. So uh, I'm actually getting ready to compete myself. So I've actually been doing a little practicing and getting my timing down. Um, and so that'll be interesting. That's coming up pretty soon. Yeah, that's, that's always intense too, watching you guys compete. And I, I always think that's best because, you know, it's like martial arts, you know, the masters, it's not that they have to compete, but they, they still have to engage. And yep, yep. that's, you know, it, it's never, it, something as cool as food Yes, the network's created competition. Yes, the network has created tension, passion. <laughs> but in the end, you know, no one's really losing. So it's really cool to watch the seniorities, uh, you know, go at it. You know, that's cool. That's like going for it, you know, because someone apparently has to take it or not take it or whatever. And it's just cool that everybody can still have that like uh eagerness to just create wonderful things you know because it's i just get more and more into food as i get older i i i've always had a great palate uh for anything um but now it's like getting very precise like uh things that i never would have eaten in a million years like i don't I never really liked vegetables, and now I'm really enjoying vegetables. You know, that's um, me too, honestly. I, even, as a, even as a chef, I've never ever, you know, I've always steered towards, you know, I, I, I steered towards comfort food, nostalgic foods from my childhood, never vegetables, and only in the last couple, you know. So let me tell you a quick story. I boxed for many, many years. Um, from, for, for about 14 straight years, I boxed, and I, I, I stayed in very good shape. And season one of Chopped, I'm in very good shape. And then in 2010, I suffered a, uh, I broke my rib for the second time um, in the gym, sparring, uh, same rib, second time, a week before I was opening a new restaurant. So I, I decided to take a year off, and uh, that year off turned into nine years off. Um, I didn't go back to the gym until last year, and uh, I went from 175 pounds to 250 pounds, um, which sounds like a lot, but 
75 pounds over nine years. It's about three quarters of a pound a month. Um, but nonetheless, when I decided to get back to the gym, I've lost about 35 pounds. I'm back boxing again. Um, trained training with Freddie Roach. I don't know who that is. He's pretty, pretty famous. He trains Manny Pacquiao. But, um, but I started eating vegetables and I'm like, man, I'm 48 years old, 49 years old. And I've always kind of avoided them. Even, you know, I cook, I, I would make great dishes with them, but I'd make the dish and not, yeah, I'd never eat that dish again. Um, I always went for the, for the burger and the pizza and the taco. Um, and I'm finding, I'm finding like it's a whole new world that's opened up to me as I'm, I'm approaching 50 is fucking vegetables. And I'm a chef. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't believe it either. I mean, there was a few things. I love onions since I was a little kid. You know, it's like one of my favorite items on the planet is a yellow onion, you know, but a little <laughs> bit of spinach, but not, not much, not much of much, you know, and I was born and raised in Des Moines, Iowa. So there's a lot yeah. of farmer's markets, a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of, you know, sweet corn and, just everything, but, you know, I always went for the, you know, the burger, the taco. We don't really have pizza here like you guys do in New York. So let's jump to, um, you know, again, I really appreciate you. You know, my show, it's not really even a show. It's really, I guess I got really frustrated. This will help us, like, get into the next thing. I guess sure. I, I haven't really explained what my, my show is to like my listeners is that, you know, basically five months ago when everything started happening or however long it was, um, you know, I wanted to do something that, that proved that two people that don't know each other can get on the phone and have a conversation and, and prove that, and prove that it can, and prove that it can be just simple and it can be about a lot of different things and there doesn't have to be an agenda and there doesn't have to be any sort of angles. So that's sort right. of, you know, that's, so I fly all over the place, you know, and, and, and I don't ever want it to be confusing because of that, but with music, what I'm just trying to think because you have, what made you want to have a label uh, with Brian? What what made you? I, I I know you're going to say that you love music, uh, and that's what it was. But loving music and doing the business with artists can be very different. You know, I'm sure coming from the fact that you know I'm an artist. I got to sign a deal. I've never been upset with my label because. I signed a deal for them to sell records and they did, you know, and that was the goal. So if they made money doing it, congratulations, you know, they worked hard doing it. So what interests you in pursuing potentially meeting artists and negotiating, you know, a business sense, which can deter away from art, you know what I mean? It can deter away from the love and the passion of what you're together to begin with the the music the art uh what made you want to do that yeah man it's it's you know i can ramble so forgive me if i rambled you know no, I no, started playing no, drums you're good you're good <laughs> um i started playing drums as a teenager um i you know uh, i started listening to metal i mean i started listening to kiss when i was uh you know i mean 
maybe 70 years old, my old, older brothers kiss, kiss alive and one and two records. But, but, um, but a girl in my neighborhood turned me on to merciful fate and King diamond when I was about 12 and everything changed forever after that. And soon after that, I saw my first couple of shows, maybe when I was 13, 14 and, um, the live metal was just, I mean, just, I mean, it just gave me goosebumps that I, that I, my first concert goosebumps are, are, I can still remember them. And so I started playing drums around that same time. And, uh, you know, I've been playing off and on over the years, um, just really during this, been taking advantage of this pandemic time and really been playing a lot over the summer. I'm actually got a little music project, um, that I'm putting together. Um, with a couple of guys that you might know, but that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, I, so then I, you know, I've been going to shows forever. Um, uh, I mean, thousands upon thousands of shows probably. Um, and I, I, in 2013, I started, uh, I became a brand ambassador for Jägermeister and, um, I still work with Jägermeister very closely, but the first year that I worked for them, um, the gig, the gig is different every year. Um, but the, the, that year the gig was the mayhem festival. Um, and so they, they gave me my own 45 foot tour bus and I went out on the road with machine head and Amon Marth and, you know, Rob zombie. And I, you know, I cooked for all these guys, but, um, but I also got to go on stage and, you know, introduce the main stage every night and, you know, I judge the local guitar shredder competition. So I just got to meet a lot of people. And also through the years, um, and this, this is all going to answer your question in a minute. You know, all, all through the years, going back to the early 2000s, um, the reason I've become friends with so many people in the industry and so many, so many you know, uh, quote-unquote, you know, famous, you know, rock star metal guys is because, you know, the word of mouth of my restaurant, that you're, if you're on tour and you have a day off in New York or a day off in L.A. or a day off in Vegas to come see me um, and you're going to get the best meal of the tour. Um, and so... People, you know, I get a call from, you know, somebody in Anthrax saying that they're sending somebody from Slayer over or whatever the case may be. And then through that, I, I made a lot of friends. So, um, Kerry King is a guy that loves to, to, loves to eat. And him and I became very close friends uh, after we started eating at my restaurant a few times. And he introduced me to Brian uh, Slagle, right, who, who uh, is the founder, of course, of Metal Blade Records. I knew who Brian was and what, and Metal Blade was when I was back as a teenager because every Saturday I would take the bus. I grew up in a small town and in Rhode Island. And every Saturday I would take the bus to Providence and, uh, you know, buy all the new metal records. And in the eighties, that was, they were coming off Metal Blade combat and they, you know, whatever. Um, and so I, but I knew who Brian was. I, 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 you know, and I met, I only met him like seven, eight years ago, Carrie King introduced us, or I think, you know, Johan from Amman or Mark introduced us. So we started hanging out, we hit it off, we became like best friends, like right off the bat. And so he would come to my house, come eat at the restaurant, and then we'd go back to my house, he'd bring some wine, um, I'd open some whiskey or, or Jägermeister, and, um, and I, would, we'd, I would play him like a bunch of stuff he'd never heard before. And so he started signing bands, um, based on me turning him onto the band. So like Harm's Way, for instance, who are a great metal hardcore band from Chicago, um, is with Metal Blade because, he, you know, I turned him on. Uh, Kinderia is a band that came, into, came, came back after a long hiatus, and I kind of brokered in one of my restaurants. Um, but, you know, I had the Kinderia guys and Brian have dinner at one of my restaurants, and they did the deal right there. Um, and, and there's a few other bands. By, by the time the fifth band signed, he came to me and said, we should do a label. He's like, you got amazing years, man. You're like, you should, you should do a label. And I was like, there's no, there's no way 
I have so many things going on. You know, I have, I have, I'm a partner in over 40 restaurants and nightclubs. I primarily am responsible for three um, day to day in three different cities. Um, I have a line of hot sauces and barbecue sauces that I, that I'm a partner in. I've, you know, I'm writing cookbooks. I've got a home fitness product for boxing and I work with the anger master. So I was like, no way, man. Um, but he was like, dude, we will do all the heavy lifting. Um, you know, you just, you, you scout the bands you want to sign and help us, you know, with the, with the courting process and the negotiation process and be as involved or not as involved as, as you want. And so we debuted four, I guess it was four years ago now. Um, and, um, it started that way with Metal Blade pretty much doing everything, but it's, it's slowly but surely changing um, where I'm getting more and more involved. And my kind of, my kind of end goal is um, I'm not retiring from the restaurant industry anytime soon, but I also don't want to be in the restaurant industry, you know, working on the line in the kitchen when I'm 65 years old. My father died at 66. I, I don't know. I don't know, you know, what that means for me, but um, I do see it like I said, like a, Life and that 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 is going to be playing music and 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 learning more in, about the the industry and, and growing this label. I mean, it's a small boutique label. We've only got a handful of bands. Um, we're very active right now. We have, you know, just in the last two months, we've we've signed a, a handful of bands and that we're really excited about. But right now, it's a boutique label. Um, it's it's a metal blade imprint. Um, but my goal is to turn it into a much bigger label slowly but surely. And my goal is to turn it into my full time job. At some point in the future, I don't, I don't know when that's going to be, but um, but I really love it. I love working with the artists, and I'm not, I'm not in it. I, I have the luxury where I'm not in it for the money, um, and that's why I think I can enjoy it. To kind of answer your question, um, I, you know, I've been, I've been very fortunate, um, uh, whatever you want to call it. I'm knocking on wood as I as I'm talking to you. Um, I've made a good a good amount of money in the restaurant business. You know, I get I get you know, I eat all, all the TV stuff, all that stuff adds up. So what my goal really is is to find bands that I love and get them a place where, um, where, you know, I can expose their, them to, to a much broader audience than they're exposing themselves to you know, currently. So it's a lot of independent bands with kind of lower Spotify numbers or whatever. I don't really care about that stuff. If I love the band, it's about bringing them to a home that really cares about them and cares about growing them for them. Because if we do that, the rest will follow anyway. You know, I mean, I haven't, we, I, I haven't been, I haven't made a penny since we started the label yet, and, and that'll change one day. Um, but I, I, the pride that I have in the records that we released, um, and it's, it's a really interesting label because it's kind of multi-genre. Um, we've got, you know, we've got like heavy, heavy, heavy doom metal band. We've got, we've got like straight up classic, like, like you know, new era old school thrash bands. We've got. Um, we've got a, a hardcore uh, sort of punk band. We've got we've got a band that's like kind of got a like an old rock, like Iggy Pop, like seventies um, Blondie vibe. Um, we've got you know sh- you know straight up metalcore. I mean, it's it's kind of it's just what I like. It's just the kind of shit that I like. You know what I mean? It's, 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 I don't really prescribe to you know I'm I'm only into thrash or I'm only into doom or I'm only into hair metal. Like I'm into all of it. So. Um, the label kind of represents that, and what it does for Metal Blade is it also it gives Metal Blade another, um, you know, another arm to sign bands that might not actually fit the traditional Metal Blade, you know, what you think of Metal Blade brand bands. You know what I mean? So it kind of gives them an opportunity to expand their uh, what they can sign by having this um, imprint. So 
There's your long answer. I sir. can't imagine. I can't imagine how many. Um, you were saying you saw thousands of shows. Being born and raised in Des Moines, we just didn't have. Um, you know, I didn't have any brothers and sisters, so I wasn't really aware of what was going on anyway. So, you know, it was later in high school that I met other people that I could, you know, wrap my brain uh, uh, around what was happening in town, but we just didn't get a lot rolling through Des Moines. So that's probably got a lot to do with your ear is just being, you know, you saw so many shows and that just opened your mind probably. Yeah, I opened your your I got a job. I got a job at the local in Providence, Rhode Island. I got a job at the club that was the rock and metal club. Um, I got a job there when I was 16 sweeping floors. And by the time I was 18, I was basically a bouncer there. Um, and I worked there all through culinary school. So from basically the age of 16 to 22, but the reason I got the job there again, wasn't for any the money. I wasn't paid much. Um, but it was that I got to see every band that came through. So I was at shows five and five minutes a week. Um, cause it was my job. Yeah. And then when I, and then when I moved to New York, of course, at 22, New York had a show every night. So, I mean, it was not unusual for me to go to three shows a week, you know, and being a chef and working nights kind of, you know, made it so I couldn't see all, all the shows, but I mean, it was definitely de- a minimum of two shows a week, probably every week that I lived in New York for 20, the past 27 years. Um, wow. And I go to and I go to all the festivals and um, now I haven't been actually I believe it, I have never been to any of the European festivals that's like the one thing I have not done that I need to get on um, but you know all the all the traditional you know U.S. festivals I've been I've been going to since they basically started with Oxus which is actually where I first saw Slipknot when I saw you Slipknot for the first time I did not know who you were um, and I wanted to see Static X because I just got their record or something. Um, and, uh, somebody told me that, you know, Slipknot's playing second stage. You've got to see these guys. And I was, I had no idea what to expect and holy shit, man, it was like a hot day. And so the pit was like picking up all this dust. There was like a dust cloud over us, a dust cloud over you guys. And I, to this day, I've never, <laughs> I've never been to a show to this. That was in probably 98, maybe. Do you guys remember when you did Oz for the first Oz Fest? Yeah, that absolutely. Um, yeah, that was, that was the most, that's the still to this day, the number one, like, what the fuck did I just see moment in my entire life? Like you guys just blew my mind. It was fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm going to all festivals. No, it's true, man. I I really had nothing. I I didn't know who you were and I didn't know what to expect. And it was, you guys were amazing. You sounded vicious, but just the whole show, the whole setup. I just like, I mean, it was just like, you know, my jaw was on the floor. It was, and when I think back about it, it's just like, wow. And I know, nothing's ever come close, you know. I mean, I've certainly there are bands that I love, you know, I, I love Gojira, the, you know, like there's bands that I, I love Slayer that, you know, I would say, you know, I put up shows that, you know, I would, I would say are, you know, make make me as happy as going to see Slipknot, but I've never seen a show ever that I walked away from just being like, what the fuck, who are these guys? I need to learn everything about these guys immediately. That was the most fucking mind blowing thing I've ever seen in my life. And that was like 98. <laughs> I, uh, well, I really appreciate that. I, I, I like to think about the, the old times when, when what I like to 
you know, I, I feel like we were a bullet put into a gun and just shot carelessly, you know, just like, I just don't. Did you know, you know I'm, did you know that you were going to like fucking, when you got that tour, did you know that you were, you were really kind of like fucking destroy people's the whole perception of what a, a band can be and what, what presentation can be. And, you know, or did you know that you guys were doing something special? Well, it's a, it's a really fair question. It's a good question. I mean, it's it's a hard to answer and put into words, but what I can say is this: our belief in our ourselves, so the belief that we had in ourselves as humans, as brothers, and the dream that we wanted, we all agreed that there was something that we wanted. And we agreed that nothing, nothing, no one, nothing could change that. So we put up a wall and it just ended up being us against everything. Every time we played, it seemed to get harder. So we didn't have a lot of time to really think about what we were accomplishing because as people were being awed or loving it, we were getting the opposite, you know, bands screwing with us, just oh, really? tough, tough. You know, we were, we were nobody, you know, trying to be somebody. So you got to break through the layers. There's lots of layers to the cool kid club, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I, got, I got a lot of stories that would embarrass a lot of people, you know, the way the way you kind of get into the business and you think, and I, I, I always attribute our success and love for life because we just don't buy into it. I just don't buy, I just don't buy into anybody telling me that I can't have something, you know, or, or that it's not going to work, you know, and, and we were always up against the fight. So I don't, I can't tell you that I knew, but I just knew it was us against you. It was us against the, you know, the Osbournes because it was Ozfest, even though they're our friends, but we still have that in us. You know, it's like, we got to be, we got to put on a better show than Ozzy, even though he, he's the best, he's the king. Right. And we learned right. so, we learned so much from them, um, from Sharon and Ozzy uh, just by the way they are and how the family is and how the festival was, you know, I've learned, we've learned a lot, but we've been involved in a lot of different mindsets. But the one thing I can say is when we're together on stage, we let everything go and we concentrate on that subconscious thing known as a dream. And we try to bring it and make it tangible, make it, bring it out to a reality where you can taste it and smell it. So I don't know if we ever knew. I mean, honestly, Chris, check this out. I'm sitting in a, a rental car. I'm sitting in a rental car because I have an engineer in town helping me write music or record music for me. So I can't find any of my cars because my family took everything. So I'm in the rental I have to sit in a parking lot three miles from my house because I can't get phones to work in my house. So for me, I go through this 
this artistic schizophrenia thing, you know, like, I'm like, am I the clown? <laughs> you know, like, I still, to, the, to this day, I, I still don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I, I'll walk into Walgreens and people will be like, that's the clown. And I'll be like, really? You know, like, what? I need some Tums. You know, like, it's just been a crazy, it's been a crazy dream. It's been I like being on this side of it, though. It keeps my edge. You know, I think right. if the world was checking in on me right now, they might get a little impressed and be like, what's wrong with that guy? But honestly, I'm super happy. This is effortless. It seems bizarre, but it works. And I'm all about making things work. And if I can't make a phone work in my own home, I can make it work in a, in a, um, you know, a parking lot. But anyway, uh, so- those were good times, man. Those were good times. So segueing out of that a, a little bit, but staying with the topic, how did this pandemic affect your, what did you guys have going on this summer? Um, I was actually hoping to, you know, I, nothing was official, but um, I was in talks to, to do some, to do some stuff maybe on uh, some of the Danny Wimmer festivals this summer, which I was really looking forward to um, doing some food activations with some of the bands or whatever. Um and uh, of course, you know, all the bands on my label, you know, they're tiny, you know, they're, they're just getting, you know, they're small bands, they're club bands, but you know, they all had, they all had tours lined up this summer. Um, everything went away. What did you guys have going on and, and what's your plan to, to, to rebuild that? Well, you know, interestingly enough for me, I've changed so much in my life as a human being. I look, I look between the lines these days and then I, and I roll. So we've canceled quite a few things, but we keep booking things as we cancel them. But when nine 11 happened, we were on a tour called pledge allegiance. We did one or two. We did one or two shows after that happened. And we canceled the tour because it just didn't feel right. You know, it was like the the United States was in the whole country was in such a mindset that it just didn't feel proper. And you can't, you know, our love went to the situation, you know, to thinking about doing what we could do. You know what I mean? Instead of, you know, doing shows when people morally just are in a place. So I saw, tours get canceled for that and and all kinds of things so when this happened i knew like our we are not your kind album cycle is going to be over so mm-hmm. what i'm doing what i'm doing is just reading between the lines and if you're like me you turn on the tv a couple of days ago and watch football with nobody in the crowd so right. i mean we're talking about football and we're talking about billions of dollars with nobody in there and they're spending millions. And, you know, that's just something I can look into and go, well, football does not have people up in the stands. So, you know, I don't think we're going to be doing anything for a while, um, which I'm okay with, you know, like, because I'm writing music and I'm creating art. And I always take this time to be creative musically. Um, 
uh, because I'm always pressing forward and there's always a situation like, but one thing I'm not doing. And I, I feel like, you know, and we can talk about this because I'm sure you're concerned about it, but like, I'm worried, you know, I'm worried that the world forces us, forces us as humans, as businesses into a certain way of thinking. And then we all adopt that into our personalities, our behavior. And, you know, I don't think live streams are just the way to go because maybe people think it's a, you know, a way to generate revenue. I understand, but, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to concentrate right now on what is the future. Let's say the future is what it is where we're at right now. And it's going to be like that for a little bit. If that's the case, you know, what are the new, if you will, artistic ways to express music if we're not going to be able to be, you know, in front of the people that need it? What are things that we can accomplish to get that feeling back without it being, I guess, a live show? So I'm just doing a lot of that and writing and, you know, being hopeful. But I feel like I don't want, you got to worry about your ego in these situations because it's like, you know, this is the whole world. So I, I put myself with everyone and I just taking a deep breath and before I'm okay, I want everybody to be okay. Cause then it'll be okay. So I'm yep. taking time to kind of just sit in it a little bit, educate, do my part, participate in what I can, but really, you know, we're, we're sitting in it like everyone else. And it's, uh, it's a little weird to think about not touring, but I've toured for 20 years and it's not like I want to not tour because I do. It's all I live for, you know, basically is I love performing in front of people mm-hmm. that feel, feel the same way I do. You know what I mean? That's the mm-hmm. greatest exchange exchange for me. So that's what we're doing. We are <laughs> every time I, uh, we have tours, um, that, you know, have been announced and that basically are booked. Um, have they gone on sale yet? No. Um, because no one's going to do that. You know, there's this, right. like in the, in the NFL, it's, if one player, everyone's quarantined. And if one player gets ill, they quarantine everybody and they cancel games. And that's yep. just, that's just insane. That's insanity. So if that's any inclination of how it works there, you can't imagine, can you imagine a band, you know, you know, I mean, I was conversing this with like my manager and we were just talking about things and, and, you know, he was dropping this my way. And it's really interesting to think about how this really affects it in the biggest ways and just how quickly the world can change. I think there's a lot to learn from it. I guess that's what I'm saying. You know, we're, we're booking shows, but we're also trying to look, listen and learn. And, and just, uh, I can always use this time for the family and to get things done that I don't get done. Um, so I've been doing a lot of that and that's been nice, but, um, I'm looking forward to getting back out on the road and, and, um, being with, you know, culture. 
it's it's interesting because with football, you know, the stadiums are so massive that I think they started to sprinkle this in a little bit, but you know, they can let ten thousand people in and 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 kind of have them, you know, in, all over the stadium. But that what doesn't work with 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 music. It specifically doesn't work with metal, right? Because that it's not going to have the same vibe. It's not going to have the same energy. Um, there's been, you know, there's no such thing, uh, you know, as a socially distant mosh pit. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's impossible. I think about, it's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible. And so I think I think it's going to be 2022 maybe before we really are, um, you know, back to. I mean, provided that this doesn't get worse, right? Because they're saying that maybe the winter's going to bring around two of the shit and blah 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 blah. But let's let's be positive for a second and say that you know things remain the status quo and we get better at dealing with it and the vaccine is 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 created i still think you're looking at 2022 before people are going to be comfortable and to to get to you know especially especially you know you guys are you know you're you're the top you're the top of the you know you're you're you are the top um doesn't get much bigger than you guys um but you know those bands that are playing the 500 cap rooms you know they're playing the, the small clubs it's going to be a long time, I think, before people are going to pack the clubs in, um, you know. But maybe I'm wrong because I know that people are also getting really sick and tired of this. So maybe that you know, maybe well, maybe maybe it'll happen sooner. But I don't know. You're right about. I mean, you can't. The vibration of music makes things kinetic. You know, there's no way people will restrain themselves. Shirts come off. The moth oh yeah, exactly. Is- bodies are slammed against each other. People are going to get sick. So there's no shows. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be a long time because one thing I know about the government is the government wants facts. The government's good at getting facts. And you can't get real facts unless 365 days go by. It takes seven years to get a hypothesis. So it's like you need 365 days to go by to have a, a, a plethora of knowledge of what we're dealing with so people can be sat down and literally take it all in instead of this frenzy we're in right now where everybody's talking over everybody and you don't know what the hell to believe and the, the election and it's just absolute insanity right now in the world. So it's a good time to make art and um, make food <laughs> enjoy music, enjoy bourbon, you know, all yep. these things. So, so what are I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you with, with Jägermeister, we, you know, so every year I do a different campaign for so, you know, my, my primary goal with Jägermeister is to show that it's more than just the shot that you had when you were in college. And so I've developed over a hundred dishes um, cooking with Jägermeister because Jägermeister has, I don't know, I want to turn this to a Jägermeister promo, but, Jägermeister has 56 different botanicals, you know, and natural, um, you know, herbs and spices and things like orange and nutmeg, whatever. And so, so I've got over 100 recipes I've developed for them. But we do a different thing every year. Um, and this year, I was um, I was signed on to do a whole college football activation. So the whole plan, the whole year, was going to be that I was going to roll into big football towns on Saturdays. And we were going to do the ultimate barbecue with Jägermeister and celebrity chef Chris Santos. And we'd have this big smoker. I mean, we never really flushed it out because we didn't have a chance to. But the idea in theory was we'd roll into town with this big rig, on, you know, and, and I'd be up there on a, on a little mini stage in the parking lot. I'd be making, you know, these ribs with Jägermeister that I've become known for. 
Uh, people that are 21 plus could get a free shot of Jägermeister. Maybe they get some swag. And we were going to do this for the college football season. And well, all of a sudden, <laughs> that completely went out the window, and we had to pivot. And now we're doing a lot, a lot of. Um, we're doing like we're running a contest and I created all these dishes and we're, we're asking people at home to, to recreate the dishes and whoever recreates it the best gets a prize package that was picked out by me. But like we just have to completely pivot, you know what I mean? Because there's no way we could do this activation. And so it's just, it's just unbelievable to think about how many people have been affected by this and what ways. I mean, my company, my restaurant company employs 5,000 people and we've had to lay off 40, about 4,700 of them. Um, and uh, we've slowly but surely started reopening restaurants in the last like month or two uh, where we can. You know, in Los Angeles, we can only have outdoor seating. And so it's a very, 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 very slow comeback. But, you know, that's just two examples of how this pandemic has turned people's lives upside down. And, you know, you think you, you, it's not going to be an easy comeback. It's not like even when the vaccine happens, it's not like it's going to it's like you, people are going to flip switch and it's OK, back to normal. It's the, you know the, the world is going to come out of this in a different place. Uh, it's just bizarre. Yeah, it's, you know, we're living in bizarre times. It is. It's, it's very bizarre because you were saying you're going to about ready to be fifty. I just turned fifty-one, and I'm trying to explain to my children. You know, I'm fifty-one and never been told to you know stay in my house or you know be right. careful or this that you know. Um, and it makes it makes the movie it makes the personal movie way more interesting. Like this is how it's going to be at the latter part of my life. Like what? Like I wasn't. Yeah. Was it? I bet the thing is, is I can get by because I'm just one person in all of us. I know we're all dealing with it, and I know because of that we'll come out of it. See, it's like yeah very hard to get out of things when you're dealing with it alone, you know, um, and everyone yeah. wants to bash, but when the whole planet is dealing with this, you know, good things are going to come out of it because it's already bad. You know what I mean? It's already, yeah. it's already, I mean, it can get worse. Of course it can get worse every day. Um, but I still believe that in hope and, you know, hopefully we uh, have a plan well, I think so, I think people appreciation is going to definitely be a part of that, right? One of the one of the good things coming out of this is when we're finally able to go to the metal show, when we're finally able to go to a football game, when uh, when we're finally able to go to a boxing match, which is, which is my thing, and when we're finally able to go to a restaurant, maybe without a mask and all these other protocols that we put in place, getting your temperature taken at the door, all that stuff. I mean, people are going to really appreciate it, and I think there's going to be a newfound appreciation for things we took for granted, you know. Yeah, it started feeling that way. You know, I noticed it. I noticed things shifting in the airlines. You know, it's like yeah. you, get, you get a plane ticket, you get treated like shit, the food's crap, the seat's dirty, yeah. everyone's on the phone, everyone's rude, the stewards don't want to be there. And honestly, to be totally honest, the captains always seem to be the coolest people. They come out and try to. That's <laughs> true. You know, but the reason why is they got the, you know, they got the real first class seat up there, you know, but, yeah. but I started noticing that with all our tour and I'm like, wow, man, the world's pissed off. The world just yeah. is angry and it's, it's boiling, you know, but um, whoever saw this coming. So, um, yeah. 
anyway, what I wanted to tell you before we uh, we go, I like to try and keep them, you know, roughly around an hour. But I want to tell you, uh, you know, when you're around ever or were around, um, vice versa, both ways. Let's get together, man. And yeah, um, for sure, brother. Absolutely. You know, I'd I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to. You know, chat with you, and I take the electric theater. Everyone that I talk to, I'm going to keep a relationship with and try to check in with every year, you know, maybe sometimes a couple times a year. Um, So I want to keep that going. It's very important to me, and I want to build on what it is we we started. But, you know, if I'm around you, I'd love to come and chat. um, Come eat, man. Come eat. Yeah, I mean, that's... My my wife and I, we, we want to do, um, if we ever get back out, I love South America. We go down to South America a lot. Oh, yeah. And I just I fall, love it. I, love, I fall in love with all the people from all the different territories, if you will. But so my yeah. wife and I, we want to do a little recording of where, like, I'll put it out on the website or whatever saying, like, look, does your grandma have a dish? Okay. My wife and I will come to your grandma's house and meet your family as long as we get to eat your family's dish. You know, it's got to be made by grandma because grandma, you know, grandma makes food with love. And that's, that's what we love, man. When we're out on the road, I, I try to recommend that my wife come with me as much as possible. She doesn't really like touring, but if she does, it's very important that every day at some point in the day that we sit down and enjoy a good meal together uh, because it seems to be the one stable thing where the outside world can get off and we can just go internal and really enjoy it because it's something you put inside you. And that's a a great feeling. And out on the road, it can be a nightmare, you know, getting through. Yeah, I know, I know. It it can just be an absolute you know. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's one of the things. Yeah. I've been on the road, it's terrible, um, but also, I think, again, that's one of the reasons I've become, you know, been able, you know, it's funny, they, they say don't meet your heroes. I'm growing up in the 80s, you know, I listen to all these guys that I'm friends with now, and, um, but it all, it all came, it all came from, that, from the food, and I, I really believe that food connects everybody. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your ethnicity is, what your background is, what you do for a living. Everybody can get together around the table and 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 bond over food, um, and you know that's why you know I have a cookbook called Share, um, which by the way I would like to send you. I want to I'll talk to Brittany. Um, I, I want to send you my cookbook. Um, but my whole philosophy of cooking is is it's called is is sharing. You know all my all my food is meant to be shared. It's it's all about you know, you know being communal with your eating. But uh, if you give me some notice when you know when things get quote unquote back to normal. Um, if you come see me in LA or Vegas or New York, um, you know, I kind of bounce around, but if you come see me and give me a little enough notice, um, I've spent a significant amount of time in Argentina and Peru and, and Chile. Um, I'll put together a whole South American dinner for you and, and, and do it up for you and your wife. You guys will come in and you, I'll, I'll make you feel like you're in South America. I would love, I would love that. She would love that. And I, as well, uh, I wasn't going to tell you, but, uh, I want to send you um, a bottle of our whiskey. Uh, I have okay. two. I have a. I have a, a reserve, a three-year reserve, and a small batch. 
and we won we won a couple of awards, but I don't, I don't usually talk about stuff like that. But I say yeah. it because I'm really proud of the recipe. I'm very I'm very proud. You know, we take the head out of the alcohol. It's very clean. It's made with love. It's great. Made with Iowa corn, and uh, but it's a great recipe. And uh, you were talking, you know, whiskey earlier. So I'd like to send yeah, you absolutely. a couple bottles bottles as well. And you know, man, I would love it. You know, it would be so cool. We always talk about it. Um, it'd be so cool to have you come out sometime. Um, and you know, share you you share in our kitchen, if you will. And I could take you around and, and show you all kinds of things and introduce you Absolutely, all kinds dude. of important people. And then maybe maybe we have a private little throwdown on some cooking because our bass player V Man he is one hell of a cook. He is oh, yeah? so once in a while when he's when we're not so spent from just touring and tired. Once in a while, he'll cook after uh, after the show, and uh, man, he makes some really good dishes. So it's really appreciated when someone can just bring an A game, mainly food made with love and sharing, like you said. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, definitely for sure. Well, I'm down for I'm down for all that. And then getting back to your whiskey thing, I do love whiskey, but um, but uh, you know, I love Jägermeister as well. And I'm gonna so I'm gonna send you my cookbook, but. I'm also going to send you Jägermeister's just come out with a new product called Jägermeister cold brew. I don't know if you drink coffee or not, but, um, but it's, it's basically Jägermeister with cold brew coffee, uh, with hints of, uh, cacao and vanilla. It is unbelievably delicious. It's like, forget what, forget anything you know about Jägermeister. Um, this is the mo- you know, a lot of liquor brands, including whiskey brands, um, are, are coming out with cold brew. Um, and I, honestly, they're not, they're not very good. Um, the Jägermeister one is, Unbelievably good, and I'm going to send you a, a, a couple of bottles of that as well. I appreciate it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to need an address. I, I also have I have hot sauce and barbecue sauce too. So I'm going to send you all of it. <laughs> that, that, no, this is good because I I there were so many things I wanted to connect to you. Like I've been making infused vodka lately, and I grow these ghost peppers and uh, Tabasco, cayenne. Anaheim's, Serrano's, all these peppers, and I infuse them in this vodka that I make, and then I use it for cooking. You know, a couple couple right. teaspoons in there, just hot as hell. So we got a lot. I got a lot I could learn from, and just cool stuff, man. So it's great. And man, then also, stay connected. Lastly, I wanted to tell you, um, I have. Um, I'd love to send you. My son is in a band. Um, up and coming, you know, band, and I stay way away from them uh, because Corey Taylor's son Griff is in the band as well, and we really push them to be their own people and to do their, you know, do their gig. But I'd like to send you some music and uh, check it out um, because you, yeah. you're down with new yeah. new music and things, and uh, I think we should do that too. If you got some new bands. Uh, we'll 100%. I'll, help it. I'll get you my email and send me some stuff and I'll do the same. Uh, just because I love, I, I love it when music finds me, you know, that's really my biggest thing with music. I love it when I wake up and boom, something new has just hit me like a ton of bricks. That's what I really, really yep. look forward yep. to is, you know, 
getting my day to be altered by a new situation. So, you know, everybody be safe. I'll talk to you real soon, man. It was a pleasure talking. All right, brother. Absolute pleasure. Thanks again, man. Talk to you soon. All right, man. Rock on. Be safe. Later, brother.